A few days before Christmas in 1859, a mysterious stranger was found freezing, but still alive, alone, deep in the woods. Disabled from his injuries, he would be murdered to save the town money. Or did he escape death and start a new life? Today on Backyard History, we are going to unravel a legendary Maritimes mystery that starts in New Brunswick and ends in Nova Scotia. You're listening to Backyard History, the hidden stories that happen in your own backyard. The podcast version of the weekly history column running in newspapers across the Maritimes with your host and author, Andrew McLean. A group of lumberjacks were about 15 kilometers from the nearest house outside of Chipman, New Brunswick, when they came across a freezing man lying in the snow. They were on their way home for Christmas from their logging camps. The mystery man was frozen on a logging road in the middle of the woods, and he had hypothermia quite badly, and he was unconscious. He was also in the middle of nowhere, with no obvious way that he had gotten there, and no clear reason of what he had been doing there. Unsure of what to do, the lumberjacks brought him home with them. No one in the little town of Chipman had ever seen the frozen man from the woods before. He could not speak English or French. For reasons that are unclear, the townspeople decided that he was from Italy, and they called him simply the Italian. It was apparent that there was very much wrong with the Italian. Physically, his legs were in appalling shape with severe frostbite from apparently being in the Gaspero River. Also, he didn't seem to be able to communicate, and this went beyond the simple language barrier. It seemed to the people of Chipman that he had suffered a brain injury during his ordeal. Looking at it in context, he may have potentially had a stroke brought on by hypothermia. The Italian's legs had become gangrene, and he was transported to the nearest doctor in Gagetown, Dr. Harry Peters, who amputated both legs above the knee. Dr. Peters mentioned in an 1861 letter that the Italian had told him his name was Ellerimo. However, when he came to after the operation, the Italian started shouting what sounded like Gambi, and that became his nickname thereafter. In Italian, Gamba means leg. It was clear that the Italian would not be able to care for himself. So, who should care for him? At this point, New Brunswick did not have any kind of a recognizable social welfare system. Care for people who were unable to support themselves was administered by a group called the Overseers of the Poor. They levied taxes to pay for individuals needing help, who were then housed in specific local people's homes. In a small town like Chipman, even a few people requiring aid could overwhelm this meager system, which was already prone to abuse and corruption. The Italian was brought to the overseers of the poor, who shuffled him around from house to house. He was apparently a difficult individual. He was prone to instability, and he was rather moody, and occasionally some darker things are implied about him. Uh, one Chipman farmer who housed him, named Philip Gallagher, 
would later tell the St. John Daily Telegraph, he appeared to be somewhat of a misogynist and he was quite intractable when men were absent. However, the main preoccupation at the time for the townspeople was dealing with his not insignificant costs. The overseers of the poor invoiced his bills to the parish of Chipman. Chipman, in turn, invoiced his bills to Queens County. Queens County invoiced their bills to the government of New Brunswick. And everyone in this process agreed that the costs of dealing with the Italian were excessive, and that since he hadn't actually come from where they were, was it really fair that they had to bear the costs of them? According to the St. John newspaper, The Morning Freeman, on September 15, 1863, the ratepayers of the parish were very impatient of this burden, and more than once deliberated on the best mode of getting rid of it. According to the reporter, a plot was hatched to pay someone five pounds to do away with the Italian. They ultimately decided against this dark path, but the newspaper article continued. They afterwards made, with a man whose name we have not learned, an agreement, which was very similar in its real character, although different in name. According to this reporter, early in September 1863, unnamed people in Chipman made an agreement with this mysterious man that they would pay him 25 pounds to send the Italian to the Italian consul in Liverpool. The Morning Freeman's investigative reporter continued. They took no pains, however, to see that this agreement was fulfilled. They got rid of the burden and cared no more what became of a poor stranger cripple in whose fate they supposed none would take the slightest interest. Rumors of what happened to the Italians spread across New Brunswick. For reasons that aren't clear, New Brunswickers concluded that the Italian had been dropped off on a desolate coast of Maine in the middle of nowhere, with one day's food and no shelter, and left there to die. New Brunswickers were outraged. Newspapers across New Brunswick demanded an investigation, and they called for murder charges to be laid. The matter was debated in the legislature. People from Chipman wrote letters to newspapers that declaring this wasn't their fault, and this was the outcome of a broken and cruel system that was a corrupt tool of political partisans. However, no charges were ever laid, and no changes to this system were made. On September the 8th, 1863, under the cover of darkness, a mysterious large, dark ship was seen along the shore of Clare in St. Mary's Bay on Nova Scotia's French coast. The next morning, two boys walking down to the sea found a legless man who was unable to speak on the shore of Sandy Cove, alone. The man's first reaction to the two boys was panic. He tried to drag himself away from them with just his arms. The Como family in the Acadian village of Shettycamp took him in and named him Jerome. Uh, just to clarify, um, Shettycamp isn't the Shettycamp that you're used to in Cape Breton. This is on the complete opposite side. There used to be two Shettycamps in Nova Scotia. 
that has been renamed now to St. Alphonse because that was confusing. Jerome, which is what they called him, never spoke a word. He was a mysterious, seemingly broken and morose figure who detested any intrusion into his silent world. And above all, had a deep fear of doctors and of medicine. Meanwhile, speculation of who Jerome really was and how he ended up on a beach in Nova Scotia grew more and more exaggerated. Jerome became a famous and highly romanticized figure to this day in Nova Scotian culture. There are songs, there are paintings, there are films about him. Some say that he was once a pirate. Some say that he was the illegitimate son of the king. Some say that he was a European nobleman. Perhaps he was a politician hiding secrets or a foreign military officer. Maybe he was a sailor whose legs were cut off in retaliation for leading a mutiny. Jerome never revealed who he was. It does appear, however, that the Como family who took him in genuinely took very good care of him. He had his own room, which was a big deal in a house that had 13 children in it. And it seems that he spent most of his time staring out the window while warming himself by the fire. Although at the same time on Sundays after mass, the Comos did charge tourists who wished to see him a fee to visit Jerome. The Nova Scotian government, meanwhile, voted to award a unique special weekly stipend to him to help care for him. The Como family did say that occasionally, when he thought everyone was asleep, Jerome would beautifully sing sad songs in a foreign language. Jerome would live with the Como family for 49 years, until he died in 1912. During that time, he never spoke to anyone. That was Backyard History with your host, Andrew McLean. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for another hidden story that happened in your own backyard. Produced by Jordan Lozier.